Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Today is uh, part 6 of a message series we're calling Grace to You and Peace. And if uh, this is your first time here, I'll just kind of tell you what we're doing. Um, In 2020, we are committed as a church to read through the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs one chapter a day throughout the year. And so right now we're in a season where we are for about 12 or 13 weeks reading through the letters of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And so to go along with our daily reading, what we're doing is that whatever you're reading on that Sunday, we're teaching on that Sunday. So what I find amazing about this is that is, is the timing of God's word. And I love where we've landed today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, let me ask you this. Since it's birthday weekend, I know that I've already met a handful of people who are here for the first time, and some of you invited some friends. So, so shout out some answers to me, North Venue, especially here. If you're inviting a friend to church for the first time, what is one of the topics that you want the pastor to not teach on. Money. Interesting. What else? Any other topics? Sex. All right. Any, any other, any other topics that you like, please avoid this today. Any, any others? Politics. All right. That's a good one. All right. Um, well buckle up cause we're talking about money today. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, here's, here's the reality. If you don't like talking about money, you would have been very uncomfortable around Jesus. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money and possessions than any other topic that he covered in the Gospels? He talked more about money and possessions than heaven, hell, prayer, and faith. Those are all big topics, but Jesus talked more about money and possessions than all of those. And so I, you know, there have been times where we've, I, I've been accused of talking too much about money. And I just wonder, those people who give me those ac- accusations, I wonder what they would have thought being around Jesus. Like, here it goes on the money bit again, you know? And I, and I get it. Sometimes that can be an uncomfortable topic, but I don't think we need to be uncomfortable with it, especially if Jesus was very comfortable talking about it. And here's why. I think the reason we get uncomfortable about it is because... Money hits close to home, doesn't it? We work so hard for it. But here's what Jesus knew that we need to understand today. We need to understand that what we do with our money says a lot about what we've allowed God to do with our hearts. And if our hearts are surrendered to the Lord, it's going to be a lot easier to surrender our finances to him as well. So I want to share a message with you today that I'm calling, write this down, I get to give. We are in a, a, a portion right now in Paul's letter to the, his second letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. If you read yesterday, chapter 8, today's chapter 9, and uh, he's in a, in a kind of like the, the main place in the New Testament where you would talk about generosity and giving. And he's talking about the blessings and the benefits of generosity. But I need you to understand the title today, I Get to Give, because it's, it's got a dual meaning. It, the, the title, I, I called it this today, I Get to Give, because it reminds us of our purpose, and it also reminds us of our privilege. 
Here's what I mean by that. We, we get so that we can give. The purpose of God's provision in our lives, I need you to understand this. When God blesses you with something, we get it so that we can give. I get to give. But it also reminds us of our privilege, that we get to give, that it is a privilege and honor to contribute and be a part of building God's kingdom and being a part of his work. And so it has those, that, that dual meaning that I, I hope we're able to see today, real briefly today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, um, I, w- I want to go ahead and read, starting in verse 6, and then I'll kind of explain some of the context, and we'll break it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul writes this. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make, watch, watch how many things. God is made, able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a lot of emphasis Paul is putting right there. He, he says over and above, God will take care of you. Trust him. As it is written, verse 9, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And I love this. Here's the purpose. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, I want to I break down, I want to give you four things about generosity here in a moment, but I need to explain the context. There's two important words that you need to understand when it comes to generosity in the New Testament. Tithing and giving. I'll explain both. The context here, Paul is talking about giving, not tithing. Tithing is what we would call an Old Testament principle, kind of the starting line for God's people. God said all the way back in the very beginning in the Old Testament that he deserved the first and the best. It's the first cut, the first 10%, the first check that gets written, the, the first swipe, credit card swipe that's given when income comes in is to God. We believe that the, the New Testament doesn't harp a whole bunch on tithing because it's just kind of like the starting line, the expected thing that we would do. There's no real discussion about whether or not we should tithe. It's just God gets the first and the best. In fact, we would say that tithing is not giving. Tithing is simply returning to God what is his to begin with, okay? So it's just like the first and the best goes back to God. And, and the real practical way to do that is through your local church. Whatever local church you're a part of, here to Awaken, you, you give back the first and the best. God gets that. And then giving is above and beyond that. Giving is what we're talking about here today. We would call this New Testament generosity or grace giving. And the idea here is that above and beyond the starting line, the, the bottom foundation of the first and the best, God will often lead you to give above and beyond that. 
So what does that look like in your life? And maybe the question that some of you are asking, why even do that? And I want to share four thoughts with you today on that topic. Would you write this down? Number one, let God change your perspective on giving. Giving, if we're not, I mean, if we're honest, giving can feel like losing. It can feel like we're losing our money. And I get it. You worked hard for it. You worked hard for that money. And you want to, your, your, your thought is you're already living paycheck to paycheck. And money's already kind of tied. And so, like, what, why would I let go of more? How are we even going to survive this month? And I think when we begin to view giving as losing, we've got the whole perspective backwards to begin with. We, we've, we've got it flipped around. Because the biblical principle of giving doesn't at all talk about losing. And and think about it. When you feel like you're losing something, what do you do? You hold on tighter, right? Uh, If you're losing your grip on something and you're you're about to fall, you're going to hold on tighter. And I think oftentimes when we feel like we're losing when we give, that causes us to hold on to money even tighter. And I, I hope that we're able to gain a biblical perspective here. Because when we get that backward, temporary viewpoint perspective on giving that makes us think that when I let go of my money, I'm losing it, then we've lost the the biblical perspective on what giving actually means. And what I love about Paul here, right, right, right here, is he uses the visual of the seed, sowing. Um, think about it this way. Brought a pack of seeds. These are Sunflower seeds, not so much to eat, but to plant. And these seeds can only do so much if I keep them right here in the bag, right? They have very minimal value just displayed right here in the packaging. There there will be no life produced within this package. For life to come from these seeds... I'm going to have to rip open the package and bury them. In fact, there's going to be my tendency to think that maybe my investment into the seed wasn't worth it because when I let them go, I might feel like I'm losing the seed. But we have to recognize that the impact that the seed can have will only be realized when we release it, not when we hold on to it. And so I love that Paul uses this illustration of sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly. Sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully. The idea is if we're willing to see giving through a biblical mindset and realize that giving is not losing, it's releasing and investing. It's sowing so that there can be life. We're allowing God to change our perspective on on giving. Giving is a joy. When you, can see, when you begin to see the impact that it'll have. And so my prayer for us today is that as we read through this text, that God is, a, God is at work in our lives changing our perspective on, on, on giving. Because the reality is that faithful biblical giving reminds us that you never lose when you give. There's always a greater purpose behind it. Here's a second thought. Would you write this down? Number two, guilt should not guide our giving. God should. This is an important thing because, and and by the way, um, these verses cover not only who giving is for, 
but how we are to give, which is, which is obviously important. Because there's a, there's a lot of people, let's talk about the who first. There's a lot of people who think that giving, I would love to give if I just had money to give. I mean, that would be awesome. I, I've heard so many people say, if I won the lottery, just believe me, I'm going to like pay for the church to do the whole build out thing. Like I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give like, if I won the lottery, I'm not just going to give 10%. I'm going to give 11% of my lottery winnings to the church. All right. And, and my, my conversation is like, okay, if you win the lottery, Let's have a whole separate conversation about that. How often are you playing? Why are you doing that? Is that a good way to spend your money? But I think we probably need to have a whole sit down just about that, all right? If you win the lottery, we will gladly help you invest that money into something further to build God's kingdom, okay? Sure. But, but here's the bigger principle. You haven't won the lottery. So don't try to be faithful with money you wish you had. Be faithful with the money that you do have right? So Paul starts, so by the way, if you're thinking, well, giving would be fun if I had some extra money, but I don't. I love that Paul starts verse 7 with this phrase, each one must give as he purposes in his heart. Here's what he's saying. Giving isn't just for some people who have a bunch of money. Giving is for every Christian as the Lord leads. It's not something we do because you won the lottery or because you're super wealthy or because your business did extra good or because fill in the blank. Those are all great reasons, sure, to give. But what about when you're just in a season that hurts a little bit and money's strained, but God's asking you to trust him a little bit more? Can you give a little bit? Could you trust him with the little that you have? God's not asking you to be faithful with somebody else's money or money that you wish you had but money that you have right now. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And then he says this, don't give reluctantly and don't give under compulsion. So we've already covered who giving is for, but now we cover how do we give. So don't give reluctantly. What he's saying is don't give in a way that you're resenting that, that that you're giving. It's producing regret and resentment in your heart. And don't give under compulsion, he says. Guilty obligation giving. Well, I'll give. The preacher keeps talking about giving. Every Sunday I come, and they have somebody else up there talking about giving. I'll drop in a $10 tip into the box today, all right? The worship was especially good today. I'll, I'll give a tip to that, all right? That's not what we're saying. Don't give because you feel guilty. Here's what Paul says. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart And then did you see how this verse ends? God loves a cheerful giver. Make a cheerful decision from your heart. Now, this is important. I've never thought about this until this week. He says, make a cheerful decision from your heart. This means that we are, what what does it mean to have your, your heart make the decision? That means you're letting God guide your decision. This is a faith decision. So, so watch this. Because where do, you, where do you typically make decisions about your finances? Not so much in your heart, in your head. Well, that doesn't fit in the line item on the budget. Well, we've been saving for, and so if we give that money to, then we can't get fill in the blank. Well, but if, what if God says, trust me with that money that you thought was going there? I've got something different I'd like to use your resources for right now. 
Give, make, a, make a cheerful decision from your heart. Why is it so important for us to give cheerfully? Here's why. Because cheer, giving cheerfully represents God most accurately, doesn't it? Because isn't God the most cheerful giver we've ever met? Hebrews chapter 12 says that Jesus endured the cross, how? For the joy that was set before him. Because Jesus knew that his sacrifice would produce life. He had the perspective on giving of his own body that we need to have giving of our own finances. Now look at verse 8. Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's a third principle. Would you write this down? We have received so we can give. Now I do want to highlight as you look at verse 8 that verse 8 is not in any way implying that because you gave a lot or you gave in the right motive, then that God's going to give you a whole bunch of grace. Grace, by definition, is unearnable. So it's not about if you gave enough, if you did enough right things, then God favors you more or gives you more grace. That's not what Paul is saying here. I believe Paul is talking about verse 8. He's pointing out God's generosity Because God's generosity is what drives our generosity. We give because God first gave. And so what Paul says here is is at the end of verse 8, he points to the goal of God's provision. He says that we may abound in every good work. Here's what Paul is saying. God gives more to those who give more. The, the idea is that when God provides, he doesn't just provide it so that you can have more. He provides it so that you can give more. That's the, that's the big difference here. God, will, God is able, he says in verse 8, to give all grace so you can have all sufficiency in all things at all times. Why? So you may abound in every good work so that as God pours into your life, you will be a channel of blessing into other people's lives. God didn't give, here's what I'm trying to say, God didn't provide for you so you can hoard all the blessings. Hey, look at me and all my blessings. There's too many Christians like that. There's too many people in this world that are all about padding up their own bank accounts so we can have nice things when God gave so that you can give. That's the whole point that Paul is is talking about here. God does not want us to be reservoirs of blessing but channels of blessing. You understand the difference? Don't just collect it. God didn't just give to you. He wants to give through you to be a channel of blessing into other people's lives. And that's what Paul is getting at here. In fact, later on in verse 11, he says that you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That's the whole When God blesses us, it's so that we could be a blessing to God and to others. And by the way, when he talks about sufficiency in verse 8, he says that so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, the word sufficiency is, uh, is often translated elsewhere in the New Testament as contentment. He's talking about somebody who's content. 
And by the way, a person who is content with what they have isn't a person who needs a lot. Or, or I'm sorry, it's not a person who, who has a lot. It's someone who doesn't need a lot. It's someone who just goes, hey, I'm happy with what God has provided. And if he provides more, great, I'll have more to give. But it's someone who has all sufficiency, contented with what they have. Because you know what I've found is that true wealth is only found through a life of generosity and blessing to God and to others. That's where true life and true wealth is really found. Here's a fourth thought Paul gives us here in verse 11, the final goal of God's provision. Write this down, number four. The end goal of giving is gratitude to God. That's it. That's what Paul's after. That's what God's after when he gives. When God gives, this is what he wants to produce. This is what he wants to happen in our lives. So we've already read that we get so that we can give. But now we see the very end goal of this is that we would have gratitude in our hearts to God because the goal of God's provision isn't getting, it's giving. In fact, to use Paul's word here, verse 11, it's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in our hearts to the Lord. God, thank you for all you've provided. Thank you that I get to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you that I get to be a blessing in somebody else's life. God gets the glory from our generosity. So we thank God. And you know what's so cool too is that when when we're able to be a blessing to somebody else, they thank God then as well. And this is the whole circle of generosity. God is provided. We don't just collect the blessing for ourselves, but we give freely to bless others and bless God. And then gratitude springs up in our hearts and the hearts of those that we, that we get to bless. This is this kind of circle of generosity. Now, if you want to know which giver you are, by the way, we talked about don't be a, a reluctant giver, be a cheerful giver. You know, what's interesting is I think that if you want to know which type of giver you are, all you have to do is check your heart and figure out when I give, what does it produce in me? And you will know the answer to that question will tell you, will be an indicator of whether or not you are a reluctant giver or a cheerful giver. Think about it. A reluctant giver. If you give reluctantly, out of compulsion, because you feel like, you, you, I have to do this, it will lead to resentment in your heart, as though God stole something that was rightfully yours. That's a reluctant giver, right? You know what a cheerful giver produces? When we give cheerfully, it produces what Paul says here in verse 11, thanksgiving in our hearts. Because we are just honored to play a part, even if it feels small, in the work that God is doing. And so if you want to know which type of giver you are, an indicator may have been today when I said we're talking about giving, and you kind of like squirmed a little bit. I'm not ready to give anything. I don't know about, you may be a reluctant giver. But here's the good news. God can change that. And when we begin to understand what we've received, every blessing that ever comes into our lives is from God. I pray that we would, we would hold our blessings with an open hand and learn to trust him with anything that has come into our lives so that we would be a, a channel of blessing 
into the lives of others, into God's kingdom. You know, it back in the, the mid-1800s that they started putting that, that phrase on coins, in God we trust. Um, and it wasn't until the mid-1900s that it found its way onto money. My daughter was like, Dad, what are you doing with that 20 today? And I was like, I'm giving it out to somebody on the front row. She was like, I'm sitting on the front row. And, but I'm not, so don't get too excited. <laughs> Zach's like leaning in. Um, so on the back of this bill, it says, in God we trust. Now, you know what I find so ironic about this? Is that the very thing that so clearly states we trust God is often the thing that proves that we don't. The irony is not lost on me that we have printed on our money that we trust God. Because, come on, isn't money the thing that often has the biggest stranglehold on our lives? Isn't money the thing that often prevents us from exercising our faith? Isn't money the thing that we often have have, have wadded up in our fist, not ready. God's going to have to pry this out of my cold, dead fingers, somebody's thinking. I work too hard for this. I sacrifice so much for this. But listen, it says right here on our money that we trust God. So I don't need an answer out loud, but I, I need to ask you, do you trust God? Come on, I want you to think about this for a moment. What if God asked you to give a little bit more? What if God asked you to trust him with that gift you just got and you've kind of in your mind already spent? What if he just said, hey, trust me with that? Actually, I've got something different I'd like to use that for. Would you let me use that? What if he did? Do you, I'm I'm just asking, do you trust God? You don't need to tell me. All that you need to do is just figure out what do your finances say? Because financial decisions are spiritual decisions. And are you willing to trust God and be what Paul calls here a cheerful giver? Now, listen, here's the big thing you need to take away from today. God is not after your money. Turns out God's doing really good financially. I'm not here to beg on behalf of God. I'm not here to try to guilt you into something. I'm here to say that we don't want giving from you. We want giving for you. I believe I've learned it will change your life when you learn to trust God with whatever he's given you, a little or a lot. God's not after your money. He's after you. But oftentimes, the only way he's going to get to you is to release the thing that's holding on to you. And isn't money often the thing that has a stranglehold on our faith? So today, listen, today is not about fundraising. Today is about faith raising. Today is is us just saying, God, we trust you. It not only says it on my money, but I'm actually going to put my money where my mouth is. And I'm not just going to say I trust God. I'm going to prove that I trust God. I'm going to start at the starting line. Listen, if, you, if you're not giving at all, I want to encourage you to trust God with the first and the best. Start with the tithe. 
That's the starting line. I believe the biblical starting line for every Christian. And then as the Lord leads, give above and beyond. Follow him on this adventure of faith. And I promise you, because he promises you, that if you will be faithful with your finances, God will be faithful to your finances. He will make sure that your needs are met, that you're taken care of, and that you have everything that you need as we find all sufficiency for what we need in Christ. Listen, today is not about us bringing in money. Today is about surrender. Surrendering your will, surrendering your world, and for some of you, surrendering your wallet for the first time. Trusting God and recognizing, I get to give. It's my purpose. I get so that I can give. But man, it is also my privilege. I get to give. I'm so excited that I get to play a little part in the amazing future that God is building. I wonder what would happen if we surrendered our hearts to him in the middle of whatever we're facing today. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.